I was actually thinking that maybe today the best way for me to start out would be to take a picture of all of you guys for my Instagram account. Would that be okay? I would love to spotlight your beautiful smiling face. So everybody scrunch in as best you possibly can here. Um, you know, just the best you can. Okay. Um, I think I've got most of you. All right, good. Look, happy to be here. I know it's your, oh yeah, throw up the peace sign. That's cool. Or the deuces, whichever you want. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you guys for that. That's going to look really good. I'm super glad that you guys uh, are willing to help me out today. Okay. Um, I don't know if any of you guys do the Instagram thing. Any, any Instagrammers, you like take it seriously. You like it. Okay. Me too. At Dan Suiza, if you want to help a brother out. Anyway, um, I'm really excited because my personal Instagram account, you guys, is about to cross 2,000 followers. That's right. Your boy is basically a Kardashian, okay? I've got lots and lots of followers. I'm very excited about it. I often tell my wife, Amber, you haven't forgotten that I have more Instagram followers than you do, right? I also often sleep on the couch. I don't know if there's a correlation there or something, but it's like, you know, I just need her to know and she needs me to know that she is not okay with this thing. So anyway, I was feeling really good about myself and the fact that my Instagram following was, you know, doing well and things like that until something happened a couple of weeks ago. I was in Oakland. Oklahoma speaking at a youth summer camp. And at this youth summer camp, there was um, like all these students and adults and they started following me, you know, on Instagram and friending me on Facebook because, you know, they, they wanted to keep up with me and we had made a connection and all that sort of stuff. And one day I got a follow request from somebody or yeah, on Instagram. And so I, I pulled it up and I looked at it and I realized that it was one of the girls from camp. Okay. And so I was like, oh, that's nice. I'll follow her back. But the weird thing is before I hit the quick follow back button, I looked at her profile. Guys, this grade six girl had 7,000 Instagram followers. I was like, wait a second. How did this girl get so famous? Like, what did she do? Did she invent something special or did she save a puppy from a fire? I don't know. She must have done something though in order to get attention like that. And so I started scrolling through her Instagram feed because I figured I would see why she was so well known. Mm -mm. I'm telling you, it was the most teenage girl Instagram account I've ever seen in my entire life. Seriously, nearly every one of her posts was her doing this. Feeling cute, might eat later, IDK. And I'm like, what? What does feeling cute have to do with eating? You're gonna eat whether you feel cute or not. This is so silly. And I was like, I post these beautiful landscape photos of the Canadian Rocky Mountains, you know, gorgeous pictures. And she's like, and she has more than three times the followers that I do. This is not right. Thank you for getting that pose. I just heard the camera click there. Um, and I'm just like, this makes no sense. How is it that this little girl, here's the truth, you guys. I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but in that moment, a 40-year-old pastor was actually jealous of an 11-year-old girl. I just couldn't believe that she had done so well on the gram. Hey, we live in a world that is obsessed with the spotlight, don't we? We live in a world where we want to be noticed and seen by other people. Come on, let's just be real. We all want people to catch, or, or we want to catch their attention. We want people to see us, to notice us, to appreciate us on some level. And the truth is in 2019, we will use whatever we can to get ourselves into the spotlight. We'll use our phones to get us into the spotlight, won't we? 
Yeah, we will. We'll use our looks to get ourselves into the spotlight. At least those of you that have looks, not me so much. You know, that's why I'm taking pictures of landscapes and not selfies. But anyway, we'll use our looks if we can. We'll use our intelligence to get us into the spotlight. We'll use our talents and our special skills if that's what it takes. We'll put ourselves in the spotlights by the brands that we wear or the cars that we drive, the neighborhoods that we live in. Heck, let's just be real. We'll even use our religion to put ourselves in the spotlight if we think it will help, won't we? People are obsessed with being in the spotlight and being noticed in our world. And here's the deal. I don't want you guys to get the wrong idea and think that, you know, um, I'm saying being in the spotlight is a bad thing. That's not at all what I mean, okay? There's nothing wrong with um, being smart or beautiful or talented. There's nothing wrong with having lots of followers on your YouTube channel. There's nothing wrong with being your team's MVP. There's nothing wrong with being an executive at your company. There is nothing wrong with being in the spotlight in and of itself. But I've noticed, and I guess probably you've noticed at some point as well, that our spotlight obsession in 2019 has caused a few problems. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Our spotlight obsession in 2019 has maybe unintentionally caused a few problems. For instance, I've noticed, and maybe you have as well, that people will do crazy things to get themselves into the spotlight. They'll do things that will blow your mind. You just, you can't even believe that they would say or do those things in order to get attention. So for instance, like if you're a funny guy, right? You're just the class clown. What I've noticed is that funny guys often have to say more and more inappropriate things so that they keep getting laughs and stay in the spotlight. Am I the only one that's noticed that? I doubt it. Some of you guys have been called out on that. Um, I, I've noticed that people will like do unethical things, maybe even illegal things, if they think it will get them in the spotlight. At this summer camp, I was talking to a youth pastor and he's like, hey, you see that kid over there? I was like, kid, I thought he was a counselor. He's like, yeah, he just graduated high school. He's 18 and his story is nuts. And I, I said, well, what, what's his story? What's his deal? And he said, that kid was set to be the valedictorian, the head of his graduating class this past year when they had graduation just a couple of months ago. He was number one in his class until they discovered that he had been cheating on his exams. And because he got busted and because he had bent the rules so that he could be in the spotlight, they stripped him of his title and he wasn't able to to be the valedictorian anymore, right? If you need further proof that people will say and do crazy things to get themselves in the spotlight, just go to Stampede. That's all I'm gonna say about that. But if you go to Stampede, you will see that people will do the craziest things in the world in order to get noticed. Okay, Amber and I were at Stampede. Nah, never mind. I said I was only gonna say that about it, so we'll move on. Okay, number one, people will do some crazy things to get into the spotlight. Number two, if we get ourselves into the spotlight for some reason, and then we lose that reason or we can't maintain the spotlight, you know what happens? We feel terrible about ourselves. If we find ourselves in the spotlight, all eyes are on us, people love us because of this or that, and then we can no longer be this or that, we really start to feel bad about ourselves, right? So if you're in the spotlight because of your looks, you know, you're just like an Instagram model, and you're a teenager and you get acne, what happens? Your self-esteem plummets. If you're an Instagram star because of your looks and you're middle-aged like I am and you get wrinkles, what happens? 
your self-esteem plummets. If you're known, if you're in the spotlight in this world because of your business acumen, because you've been able to start something and it's generating revenue and people are taking notice, and then for some reason, your business tanks, what happens? You feel like you lose your sense of value because the thing that made people take notice of you is no longer there. And I just find a lot of people in 2019 walk around hating themselves because they managed to get noticed for something, but they couldn't hold on to that something. And then suddenly nobody noticed them anymore. Hey, one more problem that I've seen anyway with the spotlight is that when we're not in the spotlight, we really resent those who are in the spotlight. We get jealous. This happens like young people, old people, men, women, successful people, not as successful. It doesn't matter. Anytime somebody is in the spotlight and we're not, we kind of hate them a little bit, don't we? In my youth group in Florida, we had a set of twins and both of them were great. They were handsome kids and, you know, they both had their gifts and stuff to offer the world. But there was one twin that literally was like the golden child, you know, they did everything right. They got awards, they got write-ups in the paper and the other twin, although they were decent, there wasn't anything wrong with them. He could not stand his twin sibling because he was so jealous of them always being in the spotlight. Like we live in a world where we are obsessed with the spotlight and it produces all of these negative qualities in us and in the world around us. Like it's just crazy the irony that although everybody wants to be in the spotlight, almost nobody handles the spotlight well once they get there. It blows my mind. It is one of the biggest ironies of our celebrity culture in 2019. Now, here's what's interesting. We are not the first culture that has had to deal with the effects of being in the spotlight. In fact, this goes back thousands and thousands of years. And there's a guy in the Bible who had to deal with being in the spotlight unexpectedly. And the way that he handled being in the spotlight was so good, it would have made Steph Curry proud. Like he just handled it so well that everybody's like, yes, that is how you should handle being in the spotlight. And here's the cool thing. His story can actually help us to manage the spotlight when it's on us so that we can leave a lasting legacy and actually point people in the direction that they should go. So this guy in the Bible is named John the Baptist. Anybody heard of John the Baptist? Not to be confused with John the Methodist. That's a different guy. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. That was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin and they were born right around the same time. Okay. They were just a couple of months. Uh, John was just a couple of months older than Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when John was about 30 years old, he becomes a preacher. And weirdly enough, he gets Insta famous. Like out of nowhere, John shows up on the scene and everybody knows who John the Baptist is. And he has to deal with the fact that now he is in the spotlight. And again, the way he deals with it, I think can be very helpful for all of us. So um, Matthew chapter number three is where we're gonna start reading. And then we're also gonna be in um, uh, John in just a moment. But let's start reading. We've got the verses here on the screen. You can follow along. Listen to John's story and see if this isn't helpful to you on some level. The Bible tells us in those days, meaning around this 
this time of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and he began preaching. His message was repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. He had a one-line sermon. Sorry, guys, I don't have a one-line sermon today. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Matthew describes John a little bit for us. This is what John the Baptist was like. He was a a crazy cat. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts like the crunchy grasshopper insects and wild honey. Verse five tells us people from all over Jerusalem and Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and to hear John preach. And they confessed their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River. So John, again, he comes on the scene, he starts preaching and he draws a big crowd. People start showing up. He's in the spotlight. Lots and lots of people are starting to notice him. So you flip on over to the book of John and in chapter number one, we read a little bit more about John's story. And the Bible says, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? Okay, he's gotten famous. Religious leaders have started taking notice, so they send some people out to say, who are you? What is your deal? And John in verse 20 came right out and he said, I am not the Messiah. So they said, who are you then? Are you Elijah? And Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. And so they're like, are you Elijah come back to earth to correct people and point them back to God? No, he replied. They said, are you then the other prophet that we were expecting? And he said again, no. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? I don't have a lot of time, but it would be great to just do a message on that one question. What do you have to say about yourself? Particularly in light of the labels message from last week. What do you have to say about yourself? So John replied with the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees asked him, who, uh, who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize people? And John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Um, he goes on to say, though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. So John is in the spotlight. He's questioned about who he is, what his purpose is, and he immediately starts deflecting. He immediately starts pointing people's focus and attention away from himself and on to somebody more important. Who is that somebody? Well, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he doesn't say, look, there's my cousin Jesus. No, he has something much, much more important to say. He says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one that I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am. And I testify that Jesus is the chosen one of God. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if you have any cousins, but I think it would probably take you a lot to convince yourself or, you know, it would take a lot to convince you that your cousin was God in the flesh, right? Like Jesus was somebody special because even his own family was willing to believe that he was more than just a wise human. 
So we've got this story of John, a guy who found himself in the spotlight and how he handled it. And I think John's story, it can teach us a couple of really important principles. And I just want to run through two or three of them with you this morning, and then we'll wrap up, okay? The first thing that John's story here teaches us is that a me-first life is a miserable life. A me-first life is a miserable life. We want to be in the spotlight so bad. And then we get in the spotlight, and we're more miserable than before we got in the spotlight. It's really interesting. I love the fact that John the Baptist, he doesn't even try to get into the spotlight. He doesn't try to make friends. It's not like he's trying to get famous. It just happens. When you focus on the description of John the Baptist, he was such a weird guy. The Bible says that he lived outdoors. He probably did not shower. He wore funny underwear. He ate bugs Like basically John the Baptist was your nine-year-old little brother. You know what I mean? He just did a lot of weird stuff. And even though he wasn't trying, even though he wasn't playing the culture's game, he was not trying to fit in. He wasn't even trying to stand out. He was just doing John. And when he did, he got famous. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people who are trying to fit in. They're trying to look the part. They're trying to get themselves in the spotlight. John does not do that. And I think it's because he realizes something that we often forget. Me first is miserable. The more I put myself first, the more I get myself into the spotlight, just weirdly and ironically enough, the worse I often end up feeling. You know, our world lives life as if it were one big play. You know, Shakespeare said, all the world is a stage and we're the actors in it or something like that. I don't know, I barely passed school. But anyway, he said something along those lines. And, uh, you know, that's the way a lot of us live our lives. Look, let's, I'll just be real. A lot of times I live my life as if this whole thing is the Dan Suiza story. And I am the center I am the star of the show. I'm the main character. You guys are background players in the Dan Suiza story. Thank you guys for being the audience in the story of my life. I am so glad that you guys were willing to play a minor role in my story. Now, if you're like, wait a sec, I'm not a background player in your story. If anything, dude, you're a background player in my story. You know what that proves? That we all walk around as if we're the star of the show. We all walk around believing that life is about us and we deserve to be in the spotlight and people should notice us for whatever qualities or characteristics we can possibly get them to notice us for. But can I tell you something? There are 8 billion people on the planet. There cannot be 8 billion stars of the show. You guys with me? There cannot be 8 billion stars of the show. There's not enough room. For goodness sake, you know what'll happen if 8 billion people try to be the star of the show? We'll start fighting over the spotlight. We'll tear each other down. We'll push people out of the way. We'll take advantage of one another so that we can stay in the spotlight. We'll fight wars. We'll commit crimes. We will bully people. We'll do whatever we have to to get them out of the spotlight and get me into the spotlight. 2019, hello. That's what's going on. Now, not only can there not be 8 billion stars of the show, I've noticed, and again, maybe you have too, whoever is in control of this spotlight keeps changing where the spotlight is shining. Have you guys ever noticed this? If you manage to get yourself in the spotlight for some reason, and you're like, ah, yeah, here I am, people are noticing me. Before you know it, whatever was cool and got you attention will be changed over, and suddenly the spotlight is shining over here. And so you're like, 
whoa, where'd the spotlight go? And you run over here and you're trying to chase the spotlight. And just as you get back into it, boom, they chase it, they move it again and you've got to chase it. And we spend our lives running after the spotlight. I'm afraid it might be killing us. Let me give you a stupid example of this. When I was in high school, when I was in high school, these were the cool jeans. Um, anybody know what these are? These are Jinko jeans. They were big in the US, at least. I don't know if they were a thing in Canada, but they were big where I grew up. And the whole shtick was they were the opposite of skinny jeans, okay? They were the baggiest jeans you could ever imagine. The, the leg openings of some of these things were 50 inches. And they just dragged the ground and they soaked up all the water from the street and the bottom of the pant legs were always wet. The thing is you didn't want people to see your shoes while you were wearing these Jinkos. And they were the coolest things ever. You could put an entire two liter of Mountain Dew in your back pocket and you just walk around drinking all day long. It was amazing. These were the cool jeans whenever I was growing up. Then all the kids that were in the spotlight because they were wearing these crazy baggy jeans, somebody moved the spotlight. And no longer did you want your jeans to be baggy, you wanted your jeans to be like as tight as they could possibly get, right? And you think to yourself, yeah, thank goodness we moved beyond that whole Jinko craze because that thing was nuts. Can I tell you, at this stupid summer camp back in Oklahoma a few weeks ago, I saw three kids wearing Jinko jeans in 2019. So like the spotlight was on them. Then they moved and said, no, no, you better not have baggy clothes. You better have skin tight jeans. Then they started moving it back apparently. And now it's good to have baggy jeans again. I can't keep up. It's driving me crazy. And I think it's probably driving you crazy too. There are too many people fighting over the spotlight. We end up treating each other terribly because we do. And whoever's in control keeps moving the spotlight. So we're in this battle we cannot win. No wonder we're as crazy as we are in 2019. I think John the Baptist understood something that I'm coming to realize and I think more of us should take to heart. Me first is miserable. A me first life where I put myself in the spotlight even at the expense of other people, that is a miserable way to live. Now, John the Baptist had the opportunity Okay, these religious leaders come to him and they question him and he has the opportunity to stay in the spotlight. If he wants to, all he needs to do is say the right thing to keep the spotlight on himself. He can do it if he wants to. And this had to be tempting because John was human just like I'm human and you are as well. And once you get a taste of the spotlight, it is hard to push it away. And so he has this moment where all he has to do is say the right thing and he will continue to be famous. People will continue to take notice and put their focus and attention on John the Baptist. But John very clearly does the opposite. He pushes the spotlight off of himself. He says, listen, I am not the Messiah. I am not the guy you're looking for. I am not the guy that's going to help you. Stop looking at me. Instead, there is one Messiah. His name is not John. His name is Jesus. There is one boss in this world. His name is not Dan. His name is Jesus. There is one savior in the world. His name is not Ryan. His name is Jesus. There is one person that deserves to be in the spotlight. And his name is Jesus Christ. John recognized that a me first life is miserable because in the end, life is not about me. Life is about Jesus Christ. And again, although I can make a big deal about myself, the longer I spend in the spotlight, the weirder I start to get. And that's because I was not created to be the star of the show. I was created to point people to the star of the show. 
This is what John the Baptist did. This is what we can learn from him. Yeah, I was just dabbing over there on Jesus. You know, go that way, right? Yes, okay. So that's the first thing we learn, but it gets better because we also learn from his story that God cannot bless the person I pretend to be. God cannot bless the person that I pretend to be. Do you understand that if John wanted to stay in the spotlight, he needed to pretend. He needed to claim to be something he was not. He would have to say, yep, I'm Elijah. Come back to earth from God. Ask me questions. He had to claim to be some special prophet. Or he could have claimed to be the Messiah himself. No matter what, though, in order to keep the spotlight on himself, he had to pretend. He had to put on a mask. He had to crop and filter and Photoshop himself so that the world's eyes would remain on him. If he did that, he would continue drawing crowds. He would stay famous. People would still be talking about him long into the future. If he would take the little bit of light that God had given to him and keep it shining on himself, then hey, he could have stayed famous. He could have stayed in that spotlight. But John doesn't do that, does he? And I think we can learn from John because the truth is, in our world, if you want to get into the spotlight, you got to pretend. Nobody's going to put you in the spotlight if you act real. <laughs> Nobody's going to put you in the spotlight if you show them all of your life. The only way you're going to get insta-famous is if you show the highlights and leave the lowlights out completely. You with me? That's why Instagram is terrible sometimes because it only shows the very best parts of people's life. If you want to get famous in our world, you have to pretend. And God cannot bless a pretend version of you. I told you guys earlier, my Instagram handle is at Dan Swayze, just in case you didn't catch that before. Um, but you know what? God can bless Daniel Webster Swayze III. I have the most obnoxious name in the world. He can bless that. God cannot bless at Dan Swayze because at Dan Swayze does not exist. That is a curated image of who I am and what my life is like. You guys are like, man, you go to the mountains all the time. You're always hiking. You're always posting these beautiful pictures. Ah, I go every so often and I just keep posting pictures from the same day over and over and over again. That is not my life. My life is much harder than that. And so if I say, God bless the social media version of me, God bless the version of me that stands in the, in the spotlights on Sunday mornings, God's gonna say, but that's not real. I can't bless a fake version of you. I can only bless the real version of you. And so many people, including many of you, you're walking through life, you're trying to convince people that you are something you are not or even something you don't really even wanna be just so they'll notice you. And you wonder, why isn't God blessing me? It's because you're not being the real you. You're trying to get the spotlight and attention from all the people around you. God cannot bless the person I pretend to be. If John had said, yep, I'm Elijah, let's do this thing, he would have been wiped out of the story and we would not be talking about him today because God cannot bless a pretend version of us. Last thing, I think John's story teaches us that we will be most satisfied in this life, when we shine the spotlight on Jesus, 
I'm telling you guys, I know. So some of you guys are not Christians. I get that. I totally, I get that. I've been there. I was not born in church. I remember the day I decided to give my life over to Jesus. And it was a long process. And I sat through a lot of church services saying, this stuff is stupid. You guys cannot believe all of this stuff, right? But I went through this journey and eventually I came to realize the truth of this. This thing that John seems to know that so many of us often forget. We are most satisfied. Not when we hog the spotlight for ourselves, but when we instead shine the spotlight on Jesus. John said one more thing that I want us to look at, and man, is this good. This is a really, really deep statement he makes here in John chapter number three, verse 30. So what's going on is that John has pushed the spotlight off of himself and people have stopped noticing him. His fame, the attention on him is dwindling. Nobody is paying attention to John the Baptist anymore. Instead, everybody is focusing on this guy named Jesus. Now he's the one in the spotlight. And so some of John's disciples, his friends, they come to him and they say, John, there are crowds and crowds and crowds of people that are following Jesus. They're not following you anymore. How do you feel about that? And John gives them an answer. And at the very end, he summarizes his answer with this one sentence. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. For John, the way that he was going to be most satisfied in life was not to do anything he could to stay in the spotlight. It was not to pretend to be somebody he wasn't so that people would continue to notice him. Instead, he knew the secret to real fulfillment, the secret to leaving a lasting legacy even here on earth is to take the spotlight that's on you and to shift it onto the one who really deserves it. This is the opposite of the way most of us think. This is the opposite of the way most of us Christians live. Let's just be real for a sec, okay? Most of us don't say, he must increase and I must decrease. Let's put that next slide up there. Most of us say, I must increase, even if that means he must decrease. And that's stealing the spotlight. And I'll just be, I'm going to speak to Christians. If you're not a Christian, you could plug your ears, take a short nap. I'm not talking to you. If you're a Christian and you know deep down in your heart that you have been living this way, where you say, look, I'm going to do what I got to do to increase in this world. And if Jesus wants to come along for the ride, great. But if he has to be pushed by the wayside, then I'm willing to make that happen. You're stealing the spotlight from the star of the show. And I say, with all the love in the world, you need to repent of that. You need to change the way that you've been approaching this life because it will not bring you the happiness that you think it will. Some of us are stealing the spotlight. Some of us, we would never ever say, oh, I must increase, even if that means he has to decrease. Instead, we'll do the more Christian thing. And we'll say, you know what? Of course I want Jesus to increase. But wouldn't it be great if I could increase at the same time? Jesus, you're all powerful. You can make that happen, couldn't you? I'll let you increase. You take me along, all right? We'll both increase together. That is sharing the spotlight. See, some people are stealing the spotlight. Some Christians are trying to share the spotlight. And look, sharing the spotlight is better than stealing the spotlight, okay? But I want you to think about who Jesus is. Jesus is not your agent. It is not his job to get everybody on the planet to notice you. Jesus is your Lord and your savior. He does not owe you the spotlight. 
Now that's not to say God will never put you in the spotlight. You guys, I am standing in eight literal spotlights this morning. There will be times where God places you in the spotlight. But if you wanna be as healthy as you possibly can, if you wanna leave a lasting spiritual legacy, if you wanna do the best thing possible with the spotlight when it's on you, you will not keep it for yourself. And instead you'll use whatever time you have in these lights, whatever influence you have over the people in your life, you'll point it away from you and on to the one who truly deserves it. This is what he wants. So we don't share, we don't steal the spotlight. We don't share the spotlight. Instead, we shine the spotlight. We say, look, I must decrease so that he can increase. There can't be 8 billion stars of the show. My friends, there cannot even be two stars of the show. There is only one. And so in your life, you're gonna be the star. Jesus is gonna be the star. And you can go your whole life trying to keep the spotlight, you know, live, a, live it up, be famous, all that. So you could do all of that. But in the end, you won't be half as satisfied if you point people towards the real one. Look, I'm not the one that's supposed to be in the spotlight. I am the one who is supposed to be in control of the spotlight. If you look at yourself that way, I'm not supposed to be on this side of the light. I'm supposed to be on this side of the light. And I can shine that light. I can shine that in this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And I'm going to point it right on to Jesus Christ. I know some of you guys are like, but Dan, I don't have a spotlight. I've been chasing the spotlight. I've been trying to. I got 67 Instagram followers. The spotlight has not found me yet, okay? I don't have any influence. I don't have a spotlight that I can shine on anybody. Can I tell you that is not true? You do have a spotlight. In fact, why don't you take out your phone for me? Everybody just dig your phone out. Just dig it out. Just dig it out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bear with me. Dig that phone out. Because when I put together this message, you know what I thought about doing? I thought about taking one of those lights down from the light tree. And then I could like run around, you know, like shine your spotlight on Jesus, you know? And I thought about doing that. But you know what I realized? You might get the idea that you've got to have this big, bright, powerful light in order to spotlight Jesus. So instead I decided to use a cell phone because a cell phone is a tiny light, you guys. It is a little bitty light. Any handheld light that you had back in the 80s when you were making mixtapes was stronger than the light that's in your pocket. But how many of you guys know when you are in a dark space, some light is better than no light. Even this tiny little flashlight is more than enough to light up a space when it's dark. Hey, Nan, can you kill these lights? Kill them. Take out your phones, flip on your lights. Flip them on, flip them on, flip them on. These are tiny little lights. They're not torches. You turn this on, you're not gonna see it from across the neighborhood. And yet, when you shine your light in the right direction, when you shine your light in the right direction, when you shine your light in the right direction, when you shine the little bit of light that you have in the right direction, suddenly things light up. There is more than enough light in this room right now for me to read the scripture, for me to walk in and out of here to see your faces. It doesn't take the brightest light in the world to make a difference in the darkness. So you have light. Your spotlight might not be as bright. It might not be as big, but whatever you have, you're going to decrease. He's going to increase 
because you are shining the spotlight on the star of the show. All right, you can turn those lights back on, buddy. I'm gonna give you two quick, two quick ways, practical ways that you can shine the spotlight on Jesus. Two quick ways, okay? The first is this, you gotta spend time with Jesus privately. Like you have to take this seriously. You have a personal relationship with Jesus and you have got to spend time with him privately. We're talking about actors. We're talking about, you know, people who wanna be in the spotlight in the play of life. There are a lot of Christians who are playing the part on stage publicly, but behind the scenes, behind the curtain, they're not living that out. That's what we call a hypocrite. We don't wanna be hypocrites. Instead, we wanna be the same, whether we're in the spotlight or out of the spotlight. And so you've got to spend time with Jesus privately. My friends, you can pray on your own. You don't need me to lead you. You can talk to God yourself. I don't know how. You know how to talk to people, right? Talk to God as if he were a person, because guess what? God is a person. He's more than that, but he is. So you've got to, you can read the Bible on your own. You are perfectly capable of that. I know it's hard. I know it's confusing. I know you don't know where to start. I get that. But if you'll start, if you'll begin a habit of reading the scripture on your own, it will begin to make sense to you and you'll learn to love it. You can give when nobody else is watching. You can serve when nobody is saying thank you. That is how you spend time with Jesus in private. And then not only do you spend time with Jesus privately, but you celebrate Jesus publicly. You celebrate him publicly. You give him glory and honor. You shine the spotlight away from yourself and onto him. Somebody says, man, you absolutely crushed that. You did such a good job. You're like, man, God was with me. That's shining the spotlight on him. He gets the credit for what is happening in my life. Man, you have built an amazing business. Yeah, God has blessed me like crazy. Because not everybody has the same opportunities that you do. You didn't create the opportunities. Said you simply took advantage of them. Those are blessings from God. And the more you can publicly celebrate Jesus, the more you'll be shining the spotlight on the real star of the show. 